I hope you're all doing so well. Welcome back to episode number three of the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history. And today, we are going to be talking about the worst cult you've never heard of, the Anhill Kids. So this case that we're going to be talking about today is a heavy one. And I mean heavy. And it is a cult case. And in a lot of senses, it is a very typical cult story. There is a crazy cult leader, they're hiding out in the woods, there's manipulation, intimidation, and just some of the most crazy sadistic acts I think I've ever heard of. And I really do need to give a disclaimer for this episode. And I do not do this lightly because this episode is not for the faint-hearted. It is definitely one of the worst cases I have ever covered if not the worst. Some of the things that happen in this case have truly disturbed me. This case is not going to be for everyone and I can completely understand that. So think of the worst thing in your head right now, multiply that by 100 and we have today's case. So if that is not for you, then maybe leave this episode, maybe choose a different one to listen to because I'm not going to gloss over everything. I'm going to include every single thing that I can because at the end of the day, this really happened. This is real life and I cover true crime. So I'm going to include everything. So here is your warning right now. Prepare yourselves for this one. This is the story of the cult called the Ant Hill Kids and their leader, Rock Terrio. And I literally have no words. Like, I don't. I have no words. I cannot think of words crazy enough to describe this man. And when I first came across this case, I was like, oh my God, why does this case not have more coverage? And it surprised me that it had taken me so long to hear this story. I mean, everyone talks about Charles Manson and Jim Jones, but no one talks about Rock Terrio because I'm sorry, but Charles Manson and Jim Jones, they have got nothing on Rock. So let's get into it. This is the story of the Ant Hill Kids, and it really is one of the worst cults you've never heard of. So Rock Terrio was born on the 16th of May, 1947, making him a Taurus. Rock was born and he also grew up in Quebec, Canada. So Rock's parents were French Canadian. They were also devout Catholics and they had eight children and Rock was the second eldest child. And as a child, Rock has been described as very outgoing, very eager to learn and also very intelligent. But despite his high intelligence, Rock did leave school after seventh grade and he would have been about 13 at this point. And I couldn't exactly find out why. I did see some sources that said that the school that Rock went to never actually went above seventh grade. So that could be why. Um, But regardless, he did leave school at seventh grade and his parents didn't make any attempts to get him further education in any way. Unfortunately, because I feel like out of all the cases, I'd like to know what Rock's childhood was like, but we don't really know much about Rock's childhood, apart from the fact that he has said that it was an abusive one. And the neighbours at the time as well have also reported that the household, Rock's household, was an abusive one. It's said that when Rock was a child, Rock's dad made Rock and his brothers play a game called Bone. And as part of this game, Rock, his brothers, and his dad would all sit around the kitchen table. Each of them would have heavy boots on. I can imagine they're the ones with the steel cap. And they would take it in turns to kick each other in the shins. I mean, when you hit your shin on anything, it's painful. But can you imagine being kicked with one of those heavy, like, steel cap toe work boots? It doesn't sound like a very fun game, that's all I'm gonna say. It's also reported that Rock's dad made Rock go door-to-door campaigning for the religious organization that Rock's dad was a part of, which is known as the White Berets. And Rock absolutely hated this. He felt so embarrassed and other kids would also pick on him for doing this. And it's said that because his dad made him do this, this is where Rock's hatred and resentment for his religion began. Now, as a teenager, Rock has been described as actually pretty popular, which to be honest, doesn't surprise me because he's a cult leader and they're always charismatic, aren't they? Well, Rock has been described as a smooth talker. He was very charismatic and apparently he was very good with the ladies. And apparently a lot of girls found him quite attractive and he had piercing blue eyes. I mean, I personally don't see it, but um, 
each to their own. And like I said, it's quite common, isn't it, for cult leaders to be very charismatic, very charming. And it was around this period of Rock's life where he started to hone his skills as a potential cult leader, let's just say. He always thrived in a larger group. He was always the one that kind of took the lead in a larger group as well. Okay, we're gonna jump forward a little bit now because like I said, not much is really known about Rock's childhood other than the things that I've just told you. So it's 1967 now, Rock is currently 21 years old. And this is when Rock marries his first wife, Francine, who is currently 17 years old at this point. And they do go on to have two children together. And at this point, in Rock's life, it's pretty normal. Rock supported his family financially by selling wood carvings that he made. He used to carve things like beer mugs from trees, ornate clocks and like little ornaments and stuff like that. And like I said, Rock's life was pretty normal. Probably out of his whole life, even his childhood, at this point in his life was probably the most normal, even though it's like, what is normal? But you know what I mean, he's not a crazy cult leader. But of course, that doesn't exactly last for long, does it? Friends that were around Rock describe that his behavior started to become more and more erratic. And it seems that one of the triggers of Rock's erratic behavior was that he suffered from quite a few health problems. Rock began to suffer from quite severe abdominal pain and he was diagnosed with severe stomach ulcers. He did go on to have multiple surgeries to fix this. And I don't know anything about stomach ulcers. I don't know anything about the surgeries, but from what I read, these are pretty big, serious surgeries. I think he had to have some of his stomach removed. And after these surgeries, Rock was left in excruciating pain. And unfortunately, these surgeries didn't go to plan. They didn't exactly go well because after the surgeries, Rock was left with something called dumping syndrome, which side note, lovely name. Could no one think of a better name for it? And apparently dumping syndrome can occur after someone has had stomach surgeries. And it basically just means that food moves too quickly from your stomach, like through your intestines. But again, I don't really know much about the medical profession, so that may be wrong. And after these surgeries, Rock did become quite distrustful of the medical profession, which led to him almost becoming obsessed and I truly mean obsessed with medicine and textbooks and trying to learn everything himself. He also started almost preaching, but we'll say lecturing. Uh, he almost started to lecture pretty much everyone around him about all of this medical stuff that he was finding out. So Rock is also obsessive and he's preaching. That also kind of sounds like a typical cult leader. So because of all of the excruciating pain that Rock was left in, he did turn to drugs and alcohol to help him cope with the pain and this did lead to addiction. He also started to get angry a lot. And I don't know, but I can imagine he was probably a pretty angry person before all these surgeries, but this is where his anger starts to really escalate, especially with his wife, Francine. They were also in quite a bit of financial trouble as well. I think Rock was struggling with his job, selling those wood carvings. I don't think he was doing as well as he always was. And then to top it all off, Rock starts to have an affair with another woman. And not too long after the affair started, Francine was just like, you know what, I'm out. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And after being married to Rock for seven years, Rock and Francine do get divorced. So Rock is currently in his late 20s at this point, And then he does go on to marry the woman that he had an affair with. Her name is Giselle. And at this point as well, this is something that I just don't understand because he has a resentment towards religion. But at this point in his life, he started to almost become obsessed with religion. And he threw himself into reading as many books as he could on religion. And then all of a sudden as well, he started to become obsessed with his health. Rock was drinking quite heavily. He was abusing drugs. He wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle. And then all of a sudden, like overnight, like a light switch, he started to become obsessed with his health. So he gave up drink, he gave up drugs. He also started to eat healthier as well. And then Rock became a member of the Seven-day Adventist Church. It's said that he was attracted to the Seven-day Adventist Church because he believed in a lot of the same things, such as healthy eating, no drinking, no smoking. So after joining the church, Rock starts to go out campaigning for them, which I did think was a little bit weird because that's basically what his dad made him do and he hated that, but 
That is what he does. And he pretty much instantly becomes an instant star in the church. He has been described as a brilliant salesman because no surprise, he had a very charismatic personality. And when he went door to door campaigning, he was able to attract a lot of people to the church. He also did give out sermons himself at the church and he started to gain quite a large following. And I think this is quite a significant turning point to be honest, because Rock's ego, goes through the roof. He loved all of this new attention that he was getting and the messages that he was delivering were just escalating more and more. So one time when Rock was on a retreat with the church, he was obviously with a lot of other people. When he went on this retreat, I think it was like in the mountains somewhere, he went off on his own. He went for his own little hike. And when he was on this hike, he told everyone that he had a vision from God. And from this moment onwards, Rock believed that he was a messenger of God. So of course, naturally, he tells everyone and anyone that would listen that he is a messenger of God. He also starts spreading a message of an upcoming apocalypse. I mean, we've never heard that before in a cult, have we? But not only was there an apocalypse approaching, uh, Rock Terrio also declared that he had powers to heal people. That sounds very Jim Jones of him, doesn't it? So Rock, with his God complex, truly believed that he could cure people. And I sometimes think, like, did he really believe that? Or did he just make other people believe that? Like, sometimes I think, like, how can they actually believe that about themselves? So Rock does put to the test his ability to heal people and very sadly, it does not end well. So there was this woman called Geraldine and she had leukemia and she was receiving treatment for leukemia in a proper hospital. But then Geraldine's husband kind of fell in with Rock and Rock obviously started telling Geraldine's husband that he could cure people and that he would be able to cure Geraldine. So Geraldine went to Rock's clinic and he prescribed her grape juice and organic food. And he said that would cure her leukemia leukemia, but obviously it didn't. And very sadly, Geraldine died. And obviously this didn't exactly go to plan for Rock, did he? Because he was telling all of his followers that he could cure people, that he could heal people. So to keep up appearances, essentially, he did tell all of his followers and the people that believed in him that when Geraldine had died, he went into her room. He kissed her on the forehead because he does have the powers to bring people back to life. He did actually bring Geraldine back to life but then God spoke to him and told him that it was Geraldine's time to go and therefore Rock had to let her go. And these were the kinds of stories that Rock would tell people and people believed him. So as Rock continued to expand his following in the Seven Day Adventist Church and spreading his extreme messages, tensions did start to form. Rock essentially tried to take leadership of the church himself, but the other church leaders were not having any of this and Rock was kicked out of the Seven Day Adventist Church. And this is pretty much when the cults begins. I mean, technically it was already beginning when he was a part of the Seven Day Adventist Church, but this is where it truly begins. So once Rock was kicked out of the church, he started gathering all of his loyal followers that he had gained in the church and pretty much convinced them to just get up and leave their lives behind and follow him. He convinced people to leave their jobs leave the education that they were in. He said that nobody needed education because Christ was coming and the world was already doomed and you didn't need education because the world was ending. He also convinced people to just leave their families, cut them off completely, no contact. And it's just crazy, isn't it? The power that Rock has, but this is like all cult leaders. It just is so baffling, isn't it? How much power they do have over people. Friends and family members of Rock's followers did try their hardest to convince their family member not to follow Rock. But the love and devotion that Rock's followers already had for Rock was just too deep at this point. And something that I couldn't find for certain, and to be honest, numbers are a little bit wishy-washy throughout this whole story. I couldn't find exactly how many people did follow Rock, like just give up their lives and follow him. But it was approximately 13 adults at the very beginning, four men and nine women. There was also around 10 children as well that 
obviously they didn't choose to follow rock their parents did uh aging from one to 15 and giselle if you remember is rock's second wife she is one of the women that joined rock's cult so since the death of geraldine this is when rock did come onto the radar of the police they were aware of rock and his clinic and rock became aware that the police were aware of him and he thought that they needed to pack up and leave even though the police were aware of him um and obviously the of Geraldine they didn't actually have enough evidence to arrest Rock at this point by the way so Rock convinces everyone that they need to get up and leave and this is what they do they do travel around for a while but Rock wants to find somewhere to settle down permanently and this is when they decide to settle into a mountainside called Eternal Mountain and I'm pretty sure that Rock was the one that named it Eternal Mountain, but I could be wrong there. And Eternal Mountain was located in the Gasp Peninsula. I don't know if that is how you pronounce it. Um, in Canada. They basically chose this location because it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, I like to go onto Google Maps, so I did drop my little man and yeah it's in the middle of nowhere it is ridiculously remote there is just miles and miles of forest pretty much the perfect location for a cult and this is where rock really embraced becoming the cult leader that he was clearly always meant to be so he told his commune that the end of the world was coming and it was actually coming in february 1979 which was only a few months away at this point and in order to survive this apocalypse the end of the world coming, they needed to live out in this remote location under Rock's rule. So Rock made his followers build a camp from scratch. They had to build tents, build log cabins, they also had to find food. And Rock just sat on his ass and did nothing. Rock even had the cheek to say that when he was observing his followers doing all of this hard work, they looked like ants. And this is when Rock gave his commune the name of the Ant Hill Kids. Rock did make all of his followers wear the same uniform. He also rationed everyone's food. Not for himself though, he got to eat whatever he wanted, but everyone else had to have food rations. And if they ever complained that they were hungry, that meant that they got even less food. He also gave every single person in his cult a new name, basically to strip them of their identity, but he gave them all biblical names. And Rock himself believed that he was the incarnation of Moses. So that was the name that he gave himself. And he demanded that the commune gave him the respect that came with that title. And then in true cult leader fashion, Rock decided that he needed to have multiple wives. So he married every single woman on the commune. And then one by one, each of the wives fell pregnant. Literally, it's like someone was pregnant all the time. There was at least one person pregnant with Rock's child. And throughout the duration of the cult, Rock went on to have 22 children with eight women. And of course, Rock's leadership becomes more violent, more erratic as time goes on. He started drinking alcohol again, started drinking a lot because obviously he'd previously given it up. And uh, he still preached to his followers that they were not allowed to drink alcohol, but um, obviously he's special, isn't he? And Rock is obviously a very violent person anyway, but you add alcohol into the mix and it makes everything worse. And a lot of the extreme acts that we are going to cover in a second do happen when Rock is drunk. So when all of this is kind of happening, it's late 70s right now and Jim Jones and Jonestown and all of that is coming to a head, let's just say. And Rock is following the story very closely in the media, which I found really interesting. Not that it really adds anything to the story, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that Rock is uh, following the story of Jim Jones, maybe even taking some inspiration, who knows? So the rules that the commune had to abide by were becoming more and more irrational as time was going on. No surprise here from me anyway, but Rock banned all of the followers from ever contacting the outside world. What is also really strange is that the members of the cult were not allowed to speak to each other unless Rock was present. As well, Rock had 
pretty much complete control over every single thing that his followers would do. So Rock really has become that typical cult leader. And the book that I've been listening to on cults did discuss the key characteristics of a cult leader. So I just want to discuss those really quickly because Rock pretty much does meet all of these characteristics. So the characteristics are the leader has complete authority without any accountability. The leader defines what is right and wrong. The members of the cult as well are also expected to abandon their own morals and beliefs and adopt those of the cult leader. The leader also deliberately isolates the members of the cult from the outside world. They completely control the environment that the members live in and pretty much every member cannot have contact with anyone that the cult leader disapproves of. There is also no such thing as privacy for the members of the cult, like literally the leader of the cult knows everything. And also the leader of the cult preaches about how terrible the outside world is. And a lot of the time cult leaders try and say that impending doom is upon them. And I think it's safe to say that Rock ticks off every single one of those. So the commune are living under Rock's leadership for a few months and then February 1979 rolls around and if you remember that is the time that Rock said the world was going to end. But obviously February 1979 comes and goes and the world is still intact. So of course Rock has a little story to get out of this. We all know that Rock is saying that he is a messenger of God. And he said that it is tricky business to decipher those messages from God. And sometimes you can get the dates wrong because time moves differently for God as it does for people on earth. And of course, some of his followers believed every single word of this, but there were a few that started to question him. And Rock saw that some people were questioning him and he had to maintain his control. He had to maintain his dominance. And how did he do this? Through violence. And this is where it starts to escalate. And I do have to give you all a warning now. So Rock would start to inflict punishment on the members that he thought were straying away from him. If someone wanted to leave the commune, he would hit them with a hammer or a belt. Sometimes as well, he would suspend members from the ceiling. And then sometimes when he would suspend people from the ceiling, he would get other members to pluck out all of their body hair individually. And then sometimes Rock would also defecate on some of them. One of his favorite things to do was to get the members of the cult to inflict violence on themselves. Sometimes he would make members break their own legs with sledgehammers. He would also make members sit on hot stoves. He would also make members shoot each other in the shoulder. And then sometimes he would even make the members eat dead mice and feces as a punishment. He would also force members to cut off other members' toes with wire cutters to prove their loyalty to Rock. And sometimes Rock would also sexually abuse the children as well. And what he did to the children in the commune, I mean, what he did to everyone is absolutely, it's hard to even think about. And then also with the children, he would sometimes nail them to a tree by their clothes. And then he would get the other children in the commune to throw stones at the child nailed to the tree. And I wanna stress this, we are still only at the tip of the iceberg. Everything that I have just said is nothing compared to what is to come. But um, this is just in the beginning of the cult because obviously it escalates, doesn't it? And when Rock does carry out this violence, quite often the next day he would break down crying. He would beg God to stop using him as a vehicle to carry out God's cruel justice. And I just think that this is so manipulative. Like I don't believe this for a second. Like those are crocodile tears. And I wonder what the state of mind was of the members. Also in the cult book that I've been listening to, it says that cult members are often very vulnerable and they also don't feel very good about themselves and that they always feel like they need to prove 
prove themselves to the cult leader. They always need to impress them. And I definitely think that is what is happening here. And it's said that a lot of the members of the Ant Hill Kids cult were very vulnerable before they joined. They suffered with loneliness. Some of them suffered with depression. They felt worthless. They had a lot of self-doubt and rock knew this. I mean, of course, some members of the cult were loyal to him and were completely under his spell and would do absolutely anything that he said. But of course, there are other members that are not under his spell and are just there because they feel trapped and they feel like they can't get away. And I think it's just really easy sometimes to dehumanize the members of a cult because you just think, oh, well, they're in a cult, they're violent people or they have crazy beliefs or this and that. And it's not always that simple. And somehow all of this violence and abuse went completely unnoticed for around three years until 1981. And this is around three years after the Communa started. And tragically, there is a death. And finally, the authorities start paying attention to the Antil Kids cult. So this all started when a man called Guy Via joined the cult. Now he joined the cult after he saw Rock appear in an article. Oh yeah, the media actually used to sometimes write about Rock and refer to him as a gentle mountain man. He's anything but gentle. And clearly this appealed to Guy and he wandered off into the wilderness um, around where the cult was and he found them and he joined the cult. So when Guy joins the cult, he is given the job of being the babysitter, but he is only allowed to babysit the children that are not Rock's own biological children. Rock definitely treats the children that are his own, his biological children and the children that are not his very differently, by the way. So Guy is babysitting the children and one of the children starts crying and would not stop. And Guy is clearly quite violent himself as well. He beats up this two-year-old child because they would not stop crying. And the little boy, his name is Samuel, he does suffer quite substantial injuries. Of course he does. I mean, he's two and this grown-ass man has beat him up. And I don't know the exact injuries of Samuel, but one of the injuries that he had left Samuel unable to urinate. Rock realizes that Samuel is having trouble urinating. And we all know what Rock is like. He thinks that he can cure people. With no medical education or experience or anything like that, decides to operate on little Samuel. Rock carried out his own operation on Samuel to try and help relieve Samuel's problems and help him urinate. He carried out this operation with a pair of scissors, but tragically, little Samuel did not make it through the operation. The exact cause of death is not actually known, but it was found that Rock had poured rubbing alcohol down Samuel's throat as an anesthetic. And it's thought that Samuel did suffer from alcohol poisoning from the rubbing alcohol. And this just really hit me because this little boy is two years old. Why is he being dragged into all of this? And it just breaks my heart that Samuel was born into this cult. But there are so many children being born into this cult and know nothing else but the violent hand of Rock. But of course, Rock did not take any responsibility for the murder of Samuel. He blamed the other man, guy for beating up Samuel. So he thinks that the other man needs to be punished for what he's done. Rock actually does hold a trial for Guy to see if he's guilty or not for the murder of Samuel, even though I don't know why he did this because the trial wouldn't exactly be fair, would it? Because none of the followers are gonna go up against Rock. And of course he was found guilty and he was found that he should be punished for his crimes. So the punishment that Rock decided to carry out on Guy was castration. But what is even crazier is that Rock convinced Guy that this was a good idea. Apparently, Guy was suffering from headaches prior to this, and Rock convinced him that if he castrated him, it would cure his headaches. Don't know how one is linked to the other. And unbelievably, Guy signed a consent form to allow Rock 
to castrate him. I mean, I don't know about Canadian law, but in the UK, that consent form would be null and void because you can't consent to something like that. So Rock got Guy to lie on the kitchen table whilst the other members fetched all of the medical instruments that he would need. And the instruments that Rock needed were an elastic band, a razor blade, tweezers, and a magnifying glass. When I was reading this, I was just like, what? He's gonna, he's gonna castrate this man with a razor blade and tweezers? And then obviously after he castrates Guy, he places the testicles in a Kleenex and just throws them away. And Guy's scrotum bled for one week. But incredibly, I don't know how, he survived this operation that Rock carried out on him. To recover from this operation, Guy was given a saltwater compress every 20 minutes. And he was also given plenty of iron in his diet to recover. So following this operation, and once he had recovered, Guy did escape from the commune. I don't think he was too happy about the operation, which to be honest, I can't say I blame him. So when he escaped, he was able to tell authorities about what was going on at the commune. And of course, he told them about the death of Samuel. And this was what the authorities needed to finally arrest Rock. So the commune was raided. Rock was arrested for his part in the murder of Samuel. Some of the other members as well were arrested for their part in Samuel's murder. And then some of the children, not all of them, but some of them were also taken away and rehomed. And that was roughly about 20 children. So Rock is now arrested. Uh, he does go to prison for his crimes and this should be the end of the story but it's not. Rock only ended up serving 14 months for his crimes. And he wasn't actually charged with murder. <laughs> no, he was charged with criminal negligence. Don't know how they got to that offence. And then after the 14 months, he was just released and things went back to the way they were before which is just insane to me. Some of the other followers as well that were arrested also did serve prison time, but uh, none of them served longer than Rock. So basically none of them served any time at all. So not long after Rock was released from prison, he decides to move the Ant Hill kids to a different location because most of the members had stayed loyal. Don't know why, but they did. So the new location is near Burnt River in Ontario. And this is now 1964 when all of this is going on. So roughly around six years after Rock first started the commune. And like I said, things pretty much carried on the exact same. The only difference was that they were in a different location. And if it can be possible, things get even crazier than they were before. Rock would now make the members fight gladiator style for his own amusement. He would draw a large square in the dirt. He would then order two members, man or woman, didn't really matter, to strip naked, step inside the square, and then fight for three minutes straight. No rules, could do whatever you want. Another thing that Rock liked to do for his own amusement was that he liked to take two of his wives to bed and hold competitions to see which one would have the most orgasms. And just like before, this commune in Burnt River was allowed to just go on without any intervention from anyone. And tragically, there was another death of a child at the Burnt River location. It's reported that a newborn baby was just left outside overnight in a wheelbarrow. And this is in the winter in Canada. So the freezing temperatures meant that the newborn baby froze to death. Now, Rock had always hated this newborn baby. This was his biological child, but he believed that this child bore the mark of the devil. And it was actually the mother's idea to leave the baby outside overnight to freeze to death as an act of mercy, which is crazy that the mother thought that that was an act of mercy. Obviously, it wasn't. I'm not saying that the murder was okay or not, but I'm just trying to put myself into the mother's mindset. And if she thinks that allowing her child to freeze to death is a better option than allowing that child to live under Rock's rule with Rock hating that child, 
is insane. And eventually authorities did become aware of the conditions of the commune and they did become increasingly concerned about the children. So in 1985, authorities did raid the commune again and they seized all 14 children that were there. And from this moment onwards, whenever a child was born in the commune, authorities would come immediately and remove that child, which to be honest, thank God. And apparently once all of the children were gone, this is when things started to spiral even more out of control. I know, it's like how much more out of control can things get? So at this point, some of the adult members, because obviously there's only adult members left, they did try and escape. They didn't want to be there anymore. But unfortunately, no one was ever successful. One of the adults that tried to escape was Giselle. Remember Giselle? She was Rock's second wife. And when Rock found out that Giselle had tried to leave, he threw a hunting knife at her, which landed in her thigh and created a wound that was three inches deep. And immediately it began pouring blood. And Rock's response to this was to go get another beer and go to sleep. And then when he woke up, he decided, you know what? I'm gonna operate on Giselle's leg. I mean, this was a few hours after the original injury happened and Giselle's leg had formed a clot and had begun to swell. So Rock pressed on Giselle's leg until the wound reopened. And then he started to poke at the open wound with a red hot iron file. And then he would repeatedly pour cup after cup of boiling hot water on Giselle's leg. He then filled up the wound with salt and olive oil, but Giselle did survive. And a few days later, after her wound had started to heal a bit, she did try and escape again, but again, she was unsuccessful. Another time, one of Rock's other wives, Nicole, she was three months pregnant. Rock completely beat her up punched her repeatedly in the stomach, and this caused her to miscarry. And on another occasion, Rock also shot Nicole through her shoulder. And at another time, when she actually did give birth to one of Rock's children, when she had given birth, Rock got a blowtorch and used it on her stomach. This doesn't even seem real. Out of all the cases that I've covered, this one just doesn't seem real. It seems like it's made up, it's fictional. Like how can one human do this to another human? Rock also ran that blowtorch that he used on Nicole's stomach. He also liked to use that on other members as well. And there was one woman that he used the blowtorch on her back until her skin bubbled. Other women also had their nipples squeezed in vice grips until they bled. One of the men in the group, his name was Claude, suffered absolutely horrific treatment. One time Claude was tied up and suspended from the ceiling. He was left there for an hour. Rock then ordered his wives to pluck out all of his pubic hair one by one. And then Rock poured boiling hot water all over Claude. On another occasion, Rock pulled out 11 of Claude's teeth with a pair of pliers. He also broke each one of his toes one by one by hand, sliced his arm open with a piece of glass. And Rock also got one of his wives to break Claude's leg with a sledgehammer. And it's like, when you hear this, like, cause all of that happened to one person, how did they survive? And um, that's not all that happened to Claude. Um, the last thing that happened to Claude has truly disturbed me. Oh God, brace yourselves. Um, in, oh my God, I've got to pull myself together. It's actually horrible. In another incident, Rock decided to punish Claude for an unknown reason. We don't know why. So as punishment, Claude was ordered to walk around with an elastic band wrapped tightly around his testicles. He was ordered to keep this elastic band on overnight, which apparently made one of his testicles swell to the size of an orange. And this caused irreparable damage. And what did Rock decide to do that following morning? He decided to operate. Rock made an incision into Claude's scrotum. He removed one of his testicles and then cauterized the wound with a hot iron. I can't believe I've just said that. 
That actually happened to a human being. But unfortunately, Rock wasn't done with the surgeries just yet. And tragically, the next surgery would end up in another death. So we're now in 1989. This is 11 years after the commune has first started. And this is when a woman in the group, her name is Solange, she starts to complain of stomach pains. And again, Rock thinks that the best solution is for him to operate. He lay Solange naked on a table. He punched her in the stomach. He then forced a plastic tube into her rectum to perform an enema with molasses and olive oil. He then cut open her stomach and ripped out part of her intestines with his bare hands. He then made another member stitch up Solange's stomach with a needle and thread. And then very shortly after the operation, Solange didn't make it. She didn't survive the procedures carried out on her by Rock. But Rock wasn't done with Solange just yet. This is another one that's just like, I don't even know how to warn you about what's going to come. So Solange was buried and then Rock started to have dreams about Solange and that he believed that Solange was pregnant with his child. Rock then made members dig up Solange's body he then made another member perform a post-mortem marriage between him and Solange. And then he started to proclaim to the rest of the group that he had the powers of resurrection and that he could bring Solange back from the dead. And in order to do this, he carried out the most disturbing thing I've ever, ever read. He cut a hole in Solange's skull and then he masturbated onto Solange's brain. And by ejaculating onto her brain, he said that this is how he was gonna resurrect Solange. After members realized that Solange was not gonna come back to life, she was cremated, but not before Rock could break off one of her rib bones to wear as a necklace. Rock also took some of Solange's ashes and placed them in a jar where he would repeatedly masturbate into this jar because he still believed that he could bring Solange back from the dead. What do I even say? That is the most disturbing and shocking thing I have ever heard another human being do to another human being. It's the most disrespectful thing that I have ever heard of someone doing to a dead body. How does it go through someone's mind to do that. And somehow the horrific murder of Solange went completely unnoticed by the authorities. But thankfully soon things were about to come crashing down on Rock Terrio. And it would be because one of the women, Gabrielle, would blow the whistle on the whole thing. And Gabrielle, by the way, is the mother of the baby that was left outside. So throughout her time at the commune, Gabrielle had suffered some pretty horrific things. One time when Gabrielle had a toothache, Rock thought, well, you know what? The only way to fix this is by pulling out eight of your teeth. How did he go from one? to eight. She also suffered welding torch burns to her genitals. I don't really understand this. I mean, I do, but it's kind of hard to describe. But Rock one time stabbed her in the back with a hypodermic needle and then broke off the needle in her back. So the needle was still in her back. Does that make sense? And also Rock cut off one of Gabrielle's fingers with a wire cutter. It seems like absolutely everyone in this commune suffered like serious injuries because of Rock. Also, Gabrielle did attempt to flee the commune one time and Rock as punishment cut off parts of her breast and also smashed her head with the blunt side of an axe. On another occasion, after the terrible conditions that Gabrielle was living in, her uterus actually prolapsed, which meant that her uterus was protruding three inches outside of her vagina. And Rock, of course, thinks that he can fix this. So Rock literally punches the uterus back into Gabrielle's body, and then he fashions a wooden cone to plug everything back in. And then before he actually plugged her uterus back in, he actually did try 
um, you know that thing, I don't even know if people do this, but you know where you tie a string around one of your teeth and then you tie it to a door and then you yank the door open? Well, he kind of tried to do this with Gabrielle's uterus. He tied a piece of string around what he could and he tried to yank it out. I, I, no. No. And thankfully, Gabrielle did manage to escape the commune. Um, it, it was quite a while after all of this happened. I think Gabrielle had to live with her uterus being like this for about a year. But she did manage to escape and she did receive proper medical treatment. But of course, uh, after she got the treatment, she did return to the commune. But there was one incident that did push Gabrielle over the edge. So one of the nights where she was just sat in the commune, Rock was in one of his usual drunken rages. And quite often when Rock would drink, because a lot of the things that he did to the members of his cult, he did when he was drunk. So a lot of the time when he was drunk, members of the commune would actually retreat into the forest to hide from him. But on this occasion, for some reason, Gabrielle stayed behind. And in his drunken state, he remembered that Gabrielle earlier on in that day had complained about a stiff finger. And I think we all by now know what Rock likes to do when someone complains about an issue to do with their body. Rock decides to operate. So Rock told Gabrielle to put her hand on the kitchen table and he's like looking at her finger and everything. And then all of a sudden he gets a hunting knife and he drives the knife through Gabrielle's hand, essentially pinning her through her hand to the table. And of course, blood starts to pour everywhere. And Rock is just like, ah, I'm gonna leave you there. I want another beer. So Gabrielle is left pinned to this table for 45 minutes before Rock decides to return. And I don't know how, but Gabrielle is still conscious. But unfortunately, her arm has started to turn blue. And Rock goes over to her, sees that her arm is looking blue, and he's like, oh, that's not looking good, is it? And then with a knife, for whatever reason, he just starts to whittle away very slowly at her arm just above her elbow and he does this until he whittles away her arm down to the bone and it's reported that Gabrielle did not cry, cry out, shout, scream, nothing. She was silent through this whole thing and then out of nowhere Rock pulls out a meat cleaver and cuts off Gabrielle's arm. Rock then cauterized the wound and amazingly, Gabrielle survived all of this and she actually has spoken out about her experience in the commune and she has given interviews. A few days after the amputation, Gabrielle does manage to escape the Anthill Kids commune and she does make her way to a hospital to actually get treated for her arm. And obviously when she gets to the hospital, the hospital staff are like, what? Of course they know that this is not normal. People don't just turn up to the hospital with their arm chopped off. So of course they inform the police. And finally, this is the downfall of Rock. A warrant is issued for his arrest, thank God. But uh, Rock went on the run. He clearly found out about this. He went on the run and it took the police six weeks to find him. I mean, He's in the middle of nowhere, isn't he? But they finally did get him and he was found guilty of the assault on Gabrielle. And at this point, the police do not know about the murder of Solange. So it's currently 1989, 11 years after Rock Terrio formed the Ant Hill Kids cult. And he was sentenced to 12 years in prison for the assault on Gabrielle. Some of the other members of the cult as well were also given prison sentences for their participation in the attack on Gabrielle. So yeah, initially the murder of Solange is not known, but when the police start to investigate further, dig around and actually find out what happened at the Ant Hill Kids cult, this is when they discover the horrific acts that happened to Solange. So Rock was also charged with second degree murder even though I think it should have been first degree, but he was charged with second degree murder. He was thankfully found guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison. But even though Rock Terrio was in prison, he still had control over some of his followers. And in particular, three of his wives, even though they're not technically legally his wives, did stay loyal to him. He had conjugal visits, I can never say that word, 
every six weeks. And whilst he was in prison, he still ended up having four children with the three women that were loyal to him. Thankfully, each child was immediately taken off the woman when the child was born, but still, why? Why bring innocent children into the wild? It's like, ugh. Why? In 2009, Rock Terrio made headlines because he tried to sell some of his artwork from prison. Apparently, a website called murderauction.com, which calls itself a true crime auction house, was willing to sell Rock's paintings from prison. And the paintings would be marked as artwork from a crazy cult leader. So yeah, that caused a bit of uproar and I can understand why. And then in 2011, this story does come to an end because Rock Terrio was found dead in his cell. It turns out that his cellmate, who was also a convicted murderer, had clearly had enough of Rock and he stabbed him in the neck and he immediately admitted to this. It was like he was kind of proud of it, to be honest. He handed himself straight into the guards and said, quote, that piece of shit is down. Here's the knife, I've sliced him up. So that was the story of Rock Terrio and the Ant Hill Kids. So now can you understand why I gave that warning in the beginning? I mean, I haven't heard of every cult in the world, yes. I haven't heard of every cult leader, but how can it get much worse than Rock? How? How can it get much worse than the Ant Hill Kids? And there haven't been any updates to this case because, well, obviously Rock isn't here anymore. But I did just want to share some of the comments from the YouTube video because, again, there were comments from people personally connected to this case. And I just think it's so crazy how often these comments show up. So the most liked comment on the video said, I actually grew up in the area where Rock set up his commune towards the end. We were all told to stay away from any men driving a blue van. My father had a blue van at the time and looks similar to Rock, so he was actually brought in for questioning. Flash forward about 15 years, my younger sister starts dating this boy with piercing blue eyes. Turns out he is Rock's son, who can be seen as an infant in the group photos of the commune back then. This case just hits very close to home for me. So yeah, I don't even know how to respond to that. That is absolutely crazy. The fact that this person's dad was brought in for questioning because he looks like Rock, like that is just so crazy. But not only that comment, I also saw at least six people and I can guarantee you there were more than that because I couldn't go through all of the comments. So I saw at least six people on the video saying they had actually met Gabrielle in person after she visited their high school to give a presentation where she spoke about her time in the cult, the lessons that she learned from it. I mean, I can't imagine she would have gone into all of the detail of what happened because she is in a high school and some of the things that went on in that cult are not exactly PG, are they? But oh my God, I wish I had seen Gabrielle talk. Like I would have been fascinated if I was at a high school and someone like Gabrielle came to talk to us. I'm just so glad that Gabrielle has found the strength to recover from such a horrific experience and now she spends her time trying to teach others about the dangers of cults. Because if you're going to listen to anyone about cults and the dangers of cults and what to look out for and stuff like that, it's going to be someone like Gabrielle. Thank you so much for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And I would love it if you could leave a review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to have a look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producer, at Audio Boom Studios and I'll see you all in the next one.